In this episode of the Encourage Inspire podcast, I'm joined by electronic R&B indie creator Shay Murder Service. This episode is pretty cool because I have my first internationally born guest on the podcast. Shay and I begin the episode by sharing how we both got connected via New School Rules Music Conference and Festival. Shay quickly dispels the myth that American-style Italian food isn't, isn't what real Italians actually eat. Shay shares that he was born in a non-musical family, and the way that he got introduced to music and writing songs was by taking famous songs he heard on the radio and rewriting the lyrics to make fun of his sister. Shay shares that he had no intention to do music professionally, but because for him really what caught his attention was drawing. He shares that he would watch Japanese anime dubbed in his native Italian language every day after school. Shay shares that he grew a love for soul music by first falling in love with hip-hop in the late 1990s because of the way samples were used. He talks about hip-hop really generally being underground and the only way to get access to it early on was on was with the mixtapes. He shares that one of the first hip-hop songs he loved that blended the two styles together was Tupac's Do For Love that had the Bobby Womack sample. He realized very quickly that he enjoyed the soul sample much more than the rap verses. Shay talks about R&B not being a big thing in Italy and it being hard to find spaces to really be able to explore the genre. He still loved to sing and make music, but he decided to go to college in Rome and begin studying Japanese language with the goal to become a professional manga artist for the Japanese comic books. While he was in Rome, he was able to be around and participate much more within the genre of R&B and even started recording much more professional sounding records. He shares that he moved to Osaka, Japan in 2009 where he was able to really make a name for himself in the city. He says that it was a lot smarter than Tokyo, so he was able to make a name for himself. He then moved back to Italy and began to write songs and was convinced by some friends to pitch them to some record companies, which landed placements and even the number one record. Shay shares that he really didn't even enjoy the politics of songwriting, so that's when he decided to go back to the basics and his love for Japanese comics, which birthed what he currently is doing now today as Murder Service. Shay shares that he write, wrote a story for a manga, and from the manga he began to write songs. Today his product is an audio and visual project. The music is the soundtrack to the manga, and the manga is the visual for the music when he performs live. Shay and I end the episode speaking about the power of being different, and the way that it can appeal to indie creators building their audience. We also talk about how the pandemic has affected the live music scene. Shay also shared that he always he's always in the lab creating new comic ideas, and that he's been working with a dubstep producer that has really helped to craft a sound for the newest manga he's putting together, which will take a lot of time. So, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. international guy with me today i got my man shay murder service with me on the podcast how you doing man i'm good i'm good i'm glad to meet you once again not yeah. in person yet but eventually we will right 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 man um 
What's been so cool is that we got connected through um, an organization that I happen to be, we both have to be very, very fond of and the opportunity, um, which is New School Rules with Hector Maduro and her husband, Greg. I don't even know how to say Greg's last name properly. I never try to, I don't try to ever mess, Me neither. Me mess neither. it up. I just say Greg. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, um, New School Rules is the number one international urban music conference in the world. Uh, exactly. And and they've been doing great things at the time of this recording. Uh, it has actually the conference, the festival and conference has just taken place this past weekend. Okay, with Right, um, and so it, it was a great time, and I and I really enjoyed your set, and I will and we'll get into that Appreciate a little you. bit a little bit later. But um, so Definitely. tell me, um, you're are you originally from Italy? Yeah, Italy, born and raised. Born and raised, huh? Exactly. So I love Italian. Let me ask you a question: Is the Italian food have you have you been to the states? No, I never visited. Oh, you never been to the states yet? Okay, so I was going to ask. Yes. I was going to ask a question: If the food here in the states is authentic to what the Italian food is in actual Italy, you know, I've well, never been I, to Italy. I had the chance to talk to a lot of Americans, uh-huh. some of them Italian Americans, uh-huh. well, and uh, seem to be like Olive Garden is not is not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> it's not the real deal it isn't uh, the, all right so we're not really getting we're not really getting the real authentic italian food you know what <laughs> with italian food uh people from italy i mean the majority of them uh emigrated to the states in the late 1800s early 1900s right so they brought certain recipes and certain things that they used to have back then okay and then there was a sort of a evolution of these things obviously with the ingredients uh, that they were available in the area where they were if they were in new york area if they were in virginia if they were somewhere else right and if in the meantime in mainland italy uh things were different we've been through two world wars and uh, the lifestyle has changed if you compare italy before world war one and italy in the 1960s with the economic boom and everything the lifestyle lifestyle has changed a lot so maybe before people couldn't afford to buy meat for example right so it was more a poor kind of recipes and stuff like that right nowadays we different so at the end of the day, long story short, <laughs> probably you don't get real Italian food in the States. That's what I'm Right, right. Because what I we mean, consider Italian, for instance, you know, there, there's an Italian restaurant not too far from where I live. Okay. And I usually order, well, they, you know, they, they, have, they, have, they have chicken wings and they have spaghetti meatballs and lasagna, but I always wonder, okay, is this what they really eat? For instance, you know how, like, when you go to, when you go to American, American Chinese restaurant here in the States, they don't, what they serve us, they don't eat that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, but, but it's, it's just the a business for them. So every, I'm assuming, I wonder if it's similar the same though. to real, yeah. real Italians, like. 
you then know? you should come visit me. That's definitely. The, <laughs> I definitely plan on it. That's the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> Next year <laughs> when we will be able to travel again, come yeah. visit me. Yeah. And maybe after new school rules or before new school rules. Yeah. We can hang out and have a good time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Spoiler alert. We do not eat spaghetti with meatballs on top over here. It's the lady in the term. What you call Bolognese? So okay. with, uh, meat sauce. Right. We have, we have that. Uh, we, we call it ragu. I know ragu it's a brand in the States. Yeah. Right, right, right. We don't call it Bolognese. Bolognese would be in Italian. But uh, like the whole round meatball on top of spaghetti. You don't do that. No, we don't. Do that. <laughs> okay. <Well>, see, <laughs> Sorry. I, see, I learned. See, that's something cool. I, I did. I did not know that. I did not know right, that. Interesting. Right, right. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> so, so, look. So, tell me about your early ex- experience to music. You know, how did you first get exposed to music? Introduced to music. Talk to me about that. Well, let me tell you this. Um, I grew up in a non-musical family. Okay. <laughs> Like uh, my parents probably had, I don't know, five records okay. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> and so they will listen to the same stuff over and over. Uh, I remember round trips and stuff like, like that, you know, with our car when I was growing up. And my first encounter t- with music was when I was probably seven, eight years old. Okay. What I did, I took uh, famous songs on the radio and changed the words to make fun of my friends, especially okay. especially my sister's friends. Okay. My sister is older than I am, so okay. I, you know, I wanted to get the attention of the older guys and and girls right. to my, you know, writing the lyrics, uh, you know, just to give him a laugh. Right. Uh, and uh, so this is how I started writing songs, basically. So a very young age, but I didn't mean to do it uh, in a professional way at all. Right. It was all about drawing. Okay. When, when I was in, in uh, you know, elementary school, I would watch Japanese animation every single day on Italian TV they would broadcast Japanese animation dubbed in Italian language. Okay. And uh, that's all I wanted to do. Gotcha. Af- after school, that's what I would do. When I meet my friends, we would, uh, you know, um, play um, pretending to be these characters from Japanese animation. First of the North Star, the, um, what, what do they call it in English? Uh, Knights of the Zodiac and stuff like that. And anyway, so when I was a little bit older than in my teenage years, I uh, fell in love with graffiti. So from drawing Mm -hmm. comics, Japanese comics on a paper, I Mm -hmm. got into graffiti and the whole hip hop movement. Mm. Hip hop. Back then, it was. So how. So how was that? So hip was hip hop. Was, was it? What did it migrate to Italy at that point? It was the end of the nineteen nineties. So hip hop wasn't huge in Italy, especially uh, American artists. Right. But still, 
there was a movement, an underground movement. Right. Today it's totally mainstream. Back then it wasn't. Okay. So it was hard to get the uh, tapes or records, but uh, with some friends, maybe you can, you would make a copy on tape of uh, uh, right. your friends or mixtapes was a thing as well. I remember when the first CD burner came out, uh -huh. uh, not the first, but one of the first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, my parents bought it for me. And I started selling bootlegs to my friends at school, <laughs> <Right. laughs> trying to make some money. Right. But, so what happened is I was listening to hip hop. Okay. And I would recognize back then it was uh, a huge thing to sample funk, soul, jazz records and mm -hmm. make beats out of that. Uh, everybody used to sample. It, it wasn't a thing like playing live instruments like it is today. Mm -hmm. And so what I did is I was looking at the samples to learn what the, what the original artist uh, was, and I fell in love with soul music. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was from hip hop to soul music. Oh, so it, right. it wasn't the other way around. Mm, okay. So uh, I remember <clears throat> Do For Love, by Tupac. Yep. And that record, I... Uh, Bobby Womack. Bobby, Bobby, Bobby Womack, exactly. Yeah. And so I I realized I enjoy Bobby Womack part much better More. than I did Tupac's verses. <laughs> yeah, 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 right, 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 right. Uh, and so I say, oh, I think this is cool. I think I, uh, I want to do that too. So right. I started singing. I started okay. singing in, you know, uh, bands in school and uh, and whatever. I really didn't have a, an idea, a real focus on what I was doing. I just having a good time. I was uh, just having a good time. Right. So pretty much, yeah, yes, it's how I started into music. Interesting. And, you know, yeah, with, with hip-hop, the thi first thing that's uh, in really uh, caught my attention is that everybody was writing lyrics mm -hmm. because you know rappers they supposedly write their own lyrics i don't know mm -hmm. much about that <laughs> nowadays but anyway um, so uh, i thought well i want to sing i don't want to rap but i want to do write my own lyrics and mm -hmm. so this is how i started interesting so you know, you, you start making lyrics, it's write, write your lyrics. Now, are you recording songs at this point or is it just, are you just writing lyrics now? Well, recording came a little bit later because there were some, uh, in my city, there were some rappers that were looking for a singer, mm -hmm. you know, the classic R&B hook singer yeah. <laughs> in the rap yeah. song. And they were a little bit older than I was. They, they knew how to record. Mm -hmm. And so I was hanging at their place. They didn't really have a studio studio. They have just a home studio. Right. And not as nice as the ones that you can have today. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so I was going there uh, and started recording. I was probably 17 by this stage 16 17 
at this stage. So we recorded a song, Remember One Day, and uh, this guy had a connection at the local radio. Okay. And uh, he re we recorded in his living room, and uh, I believe he didn't even mix the, the record. We just <laughs> went there, and the local radio spin the song. They played it. Uh, wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, I'm on the radio. Right, 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 right. Yeah, it, it was fun Inter times. Interesting. So... We probably have no idea what we were doing. <laughs> yeah, That's all hey, true. and it... It's trial and error sometimes when you're that young. You're trying to just figure it out. You know, hey, that, we're going to make mistakes, but let's just have fun while we're doing it, right? Exactly. So exactly. you start recording. And so when, at that point, did you decide, I want to take this thing seriously? Like, I want to, you know, oh, let me take that back. Yeah. When you were... How, who who doing the who was doing the beat for you? Like was it was it easy to find producers? Because what, what what's the what's the timeline here? Are we in the two thousands right now? We're, We're in the early two early two thousands right now. Early two thousand, yes. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, I graduated from high school in two thousand and two. So okay, so a year before me, I graduated oh three. Okay. Okay, so uh, this must have been two thousand two thousand and one probably. Okay. And um, uh, I was seeing mostly R&B, mm -hmm. mostly soul, mm -hmm. and it was extremely hard to find people who could make I, beats. I bet. <laughs> because either it was bands, but uh, uh, I was in this kind of hip-hop circle mm -hmm. kind of thing. So it was hard to find people who could make beats for me. So what I did... I started making my own mm. and I had absolutely no clue. <laughs> I couldn't play <laughs> what any you were doing. instrument, right. yeah, but I was looking at the other kids, what they were doing with, for the hip hop bits. So I, you know, kind of tried to do, to do that. I was never that good at it, but it taught me a lot in, in the long run. I understood what I wanted in a production right. form for me. Right. Right. So, you know, because that's the thing, right? Like, so when you start, especially when R&B is not hugely prevalent in the particular city overseas, but you also want to find a sound where it's like they take you seriously, right? Where it's almost like, okay, man, what are they doing here? Is this real music? Is this real R&B? Or they're just trying to do a knockoff of what they hear? Right, you know, right. especially with the, especially with the, with the lack of resources, probably to get the records the way you want to get it. So I, I'm always curious with that when it comes to international people trying to figure out the art form of R and B, which they didn't create. You know, well, let me let me tell you, in in my country, there's no R and B culture, mm -hmm. like at all at all historically we uh, italy uh i'm talking mainstream i'm talking radio mm -hmm. it's more sort of folk singer songwriters and it's more sort of uh, uh how can i say mm, uh, pop right. general pop music so definitely we have 
good rock bands we have good electronic bands but i'm talking the 50s the 60s we have we had some uh, how to say episodes of r&b becoming popular in the country like stevie wonder came to italy in the 60s and cut records in italian language stuff like that which if you think about it it's uh, almost uh, hilarious right you had a record in italian stevie wonder <laughs> can you believe that but it was never a thing so we i didn't grow up listening to marvin gay stevie wonder all green i discovered those guys when i was in my late teenage years so uh definitely it was harder because if you grow up with something uh, you listen to it in the house uh, uh, i i believe you go to church and you listen to the gospel and <laughs> stuff like that it's a whole another right uh, scenario right. but for, but for me it was the records i could find the internet wasn't available that easily yet it was 56k days so which means the connection was extremely slow but nevertheless uh i believe that uh, r&b to this date is still not popular in this country and this is the reason why uh today i have more feedback and more success abroad than i have in my own country but right so um that's interesting um you know, because for me, I love I'm a, I love R and B. I'm an R and B guy. I love yeah. something about I mean, I love hip hop too, but just something about R and B that I'm absolutely enamored with. I love it, I, and I love how you saw that American feel. Like I want to do that. That's yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. <laughs> so now, in terms of the ultimate sound because what you do what you do is very very is not the norm when you think okay. about r&b yeah, electronic I wouldn't, I wouldn't define what i do today r&b at all <laughs> <laughs> right so 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 tell me about how so well let's backtrack so did you want to was your main goal to be a songwriter back then or do you always knew you want to put out your own records well let me tell you after this um sort of a uh, hip-hop circle uh, thing then i went to college i moved to rome capital city of italy i went okay. to college and i my major was japanese language and literature okay because of the you know drawing when i was a little kid and uh, until then i wanted to become uh, a professional uh, manga artist so a uh, professional comic uh, writer mm -hmm. but in college i thought do i really want to be sitting behind a desk and drawing and break my back for the rest of my life right. i i wasn't sure about that so i thought okay i'll just go to college and do something that i like as my major but at the same time, I was in Rome, where the music scene was huge. It, 
every day there was a jazz concert, there was a blues concert, there was a soul concert, and obviously hip-hop as well, but I have way more inputs. So at this point, I started finding producers, or I would start writing on, so on beats that I would find on vinyls. Like, I remember uh, Dwele, Hold On, I used that's them. okay. Yes, <laughs> I love that record. I've met him before. I, actually, I met Dwele in Jacksonville, Florida, uh, cool. where one of the artists I was working with back then actually opened up for him. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so cool. I took Dwele's records and did my version of it in Italian language. Cool. And what else I did? I took uh. Uh, Mary J. Blige, Be Without You, okay. and, and added a verse to it, and I made a sort of duet with Mary. Nice. And uh, yeah, I started, you know, recording some somewhere professional records, like in the studio. When I could afford to do it, I would go to a studio, book a couple of hours, and do it a little bit more professional. Otherwise, we had some. I had some friends in Rome let me record for free. Uh, in a less professional environment but at this point I was you know started to recording my my songs uh, put it on mixtapes uh, given and do some collaborations I had I don't know if you familiar with um, grand agent from uh, Philadelphia area uh, he did some pretty much uh, popular underground records, hip-hop records back in the uh, early 2000. Mm -hmm. So he came to Rome for, for a gig. We became friends. I, in the following days, we hit the studio and I started writing songs and they would tell me, uh, he and his crew would tell me, why don't you go pitch the songs to record labels? I didn't, I didn't even know it was a thing. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and so I was like, okay. And then uh, Crookers came in. Um, do you remember Kid Cudi, Day and Night? Whoa, whoa. Uh, that was by Italian producer Crookers. And so we, you know, uh, through Grand Agent, we, did, we cut the record and I started understanding a little bit better. But I wanted to be an artist. I didn't want to be a songwriter at this point. Uh. It's going to be a little bit later when... Um, so this was 06 probably. Then in 09, I moved to Japan. I lived there for a year and I started uh, having a lot of shows just because yeah. I was I was in Japanese people would recognize me on the street I was in Osaka for a whole year and because I, I it's not like Tokyo it's a way smaller city it's 3 million people right. Tokyo is 13 million people so you can wow that's double the size of Orlando or triple uh, size that's that's quite a difference so three million people in osaka i would run parties i would have my own show i have a uh, resident nights uh, in one of the biggest club in the city called pure and uh i started finally making money with music because people would come to the show would would be they wanted to pay a ticket to see me 
and my friends back then. So I started realizing mm, that's very interesting. And at this stage, I started working with a um, producer, a Japanese one, right. Ryuja. And Ryuja is in Osagabe. He's about to move to Tokyo. Right. Because he told me this is where the business is. <sighs> and all the record labels are in Tokyo, not in Osaka. I want to move there. And I tell him, how about I write records in English? but you let them sing to Japanese artists. And he told me, we can try that, but usually Japanese people, they want to sing in Japanese. And this is where I realized I could write songs for other people. So okay. it's thanks to this whole experience that I understood uh, that things could work differently. So this is probably, yeah, 2009, 2010 and then I went back to Italy I relocated back to Italy after one year in Japan and so this is how I start writing songs and try to pitch them to labels and a couple of years later I have my first major placement mm. in the country nice it was going back to the circle a hip-hop record but I was writing the R&B parts and someone else will see. I actually uh, cut three records on that album. That went number eight, I believe, in the country. And so when we still have physical CDs selling about a little bit more than a little bit, a little bit less than 10 years ago. So I have this record and uh, these three records actually on this album and then for the same artist uh, the same artist goes to Warner right. uh, Music in Italy and I cut another three records for the fo following album and this time the, the record uh, the album goes number one in the country so it started working but this is where <laughs> I decided uh, that uh, it was good achievements, but it was way too much drama behind it and way too much politics. So I wasn't sure I was too interested into dealing with the, all the politics and dealing with the drama. So we are in 2014 2015 maybe i said okay you know what this songwriter experience has been uh teaching me a lot it's super interesting but i think i had enough and this is where murder service started basically i decided i wanted to go back to basics my love for Japanese uh, comics and the music that I wanted to make right. and so I completely changed I completely changed sound I changed persona I changed everything about me as an artist and eventually I mean here and there every now and then I was pitching records for other artists too but it wasn't my main thing anymore. I wanted to do my own music 
as uh, an artist and combining the love uh, I had for comics. So this is where Murder Service started. I wrote, mm. I wrote a story uh, for a manga and off the story of the manga, I started writing songs. So today my, my project is uh, an audio and visual project because uh, the music is a soundtrack to the manga and manga is visual for, for the music, especially when we perform live. You there? Yeah. Cool. So you know what I love about your sound, man. It's just it's just different, man. It's just it's it it it's it's and that's a cool thing about international music. It's never a lot of times what um, people would expect to hear, you know. Right. Right. Uh, but what you do is you stand out, man. You stand out from the crowd, and and that that's that's what. That's what really matters at the end of the day, man. Standing out from the crowd, you know. Um, so it's interesting. I read your bio. So tell me about it. it says pharmaceutical company Dyxert is testing illegal memory replacement devices on human beings. Like talk to me about the, the talk to you about that part of your bio. Like is, is that true? Well, this is this is the story of uh, the manga. Okay. Oh, gotcha. Okay, 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 yeah. okay. So it's set in uh, Neo Tokyo. So ah, gotcha. It's it's not necessarily in the future, but it's like a dystopian reality. Oh, I see. Okay, so so there's this uh, huge pharmaceutical company that. Uh, I wrote this before COVID nineteen, if you believe or oh, not. Oh, okay. <laughs> but basically, what happens is there's a huge spread of the new Ebola virus in North Africa, mm -hmm. and this virus can be spread by uh, animals. Okay. So. All the uh, foods that is coming from Africa to Europe has to be, or any, anywhere else in the world, has to be stopped. And uh, uh, this pharmaceutical company uh, comes with the solution, which is the vaccine to ah. this virus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, if you think about it, I sound like uh, 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 don't believe the hype or stuff like that. But I, I didn't mean it that way. Anyway, so the whole Western countries, the whole, as we, we call it, first world mm -hmm. has to be vaccinated because of this virus, the new Ebola uh, okay. virus. And uh, the thing people don't realize is that with the vaccine, they have injected a GPS system and some proteins that uh, will cause uh, uh, a reaction with the right inputs. I, I, I've been hearing that. I've been hearing a lot of that, which yeah. is why I've been told. Bro, so let me ask you a question. Yeah. Do you think it's going to get to the point now where travel where 
countries are going to require us to have the vaccine to go into their country. You I see that happening? So. Yes, most definitely. Most definitely. I, that's what I was thinking too. It's already a thing. It's called green card. It's a green card, but not a, a visa, not not a, a, a permit to let you go, to let you be in a country. But uh, if you get uh, vaccinated, they give you a green card. Certain uh, companies, they will let you on their uh, flights if you have a green card. If you don't, then you can go. Right. And, and see, that's, that's the thing that I was, because I haven't been vaccinated yet. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that I was like, that's I, I, what I foresee happening. I foresee that these, a lot of these countries are going to say, you can't come in here if you're not vaccinated. Right, right. So being the fact that I want to get back to traveling internationally, even though I've had some reservations about the vaccine, I almost feel like I'm going to be forced to do it. Because this is exactly what's what's happening. I mean, uh, U.S. citizens are allowed in Europe only if vaccinated. It's already happening. Right. So if you want to come back to Europe next year, that's (laughs) all you can do about it. Right. Not even an option. Right. And so my thing is, everybody's saying, you know, I have one guy that tells me if I get the vaccine, I'm going to die. It's inevitable. That's what he said. Well, if you look at numbers. uh, We're going to die anyway, but I mean. No, 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 no. But let me let me tell you, there are some vaccines that might cause uh, um, clog in your veins. Right. Like AstraZeneca is one of those. And there were some episodes. Right. I I've been seeing mostly what what's what's going on in my country, but yeah, even abroad. But the numbers are extremely, extremely, extremely low. Right. And uh, is the is the same uh, percentage of poss- possibilities of a woman taking a uh, how how would you say it in English? The not to get pregnant pill. Right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh huh. They call they call that Plan B. Yeah. Or exactly. a, or or birth control. Birth control, exactly. Birth yeah. control pill has the same chances. Right. So it's extremely low percentage. Right. But it is it is true. Some people after vaccination die. But uh, what can you do about what can you, it? Right. I I, so I'm saying, you know, so cause even now here, like, so here in Florida where I'm at, uh-huh. they have, the, our governor has said you cannot force people to wear masks, right? Okay. And so I've always felt like when you start making Americans feel like they have to do something that's mandated by the government it takes away the freedoms of americans okay because people come to this country for those very those very same freedoms that now the government is trying to say or people who want those things to be taken away 
So on one hand, I understand what why people wanted to wear back, even though the masks don't really do anything, bro. The masks don't stop you from getting COVID. Mm-hmm. Wearing a mask doesn't stop you from getting COVID. You know, even getting a vaccine doesn't stop you from getting COVID. You know? Right. So it's just one of them things where where feeling like you have to breathe into this mask everywhere you go. It's just something that I hope we don't have to do for very much longer because people need to be able to go outside and breathe fresh air. You know what I mean? Versus all you know, Most definitely. So, so is is there a mask mandate where in in Italy where you're at? Does everybody have to wear masks now? Still? Yes, yes, it's still mandatory. Everywhere you go, you don't have to wear it indoors, in your house, obviously. But if you yeah. go to a shop, if you go to a restaurant, the only thing they let you do it now, if you're sitting at the restaurant and you eat there, because this this is very recent. I mean. Until a couple of weeks ago, all the restaurants were shut down. I mean, they, still okay, yeah, yeah okay, yeah. interesting. So it's it's um, very very uh, recent. But anyway, uh, so this is the only occasion you are allowed in public to take your mask off while you're eating. Right. That's it. And even uh, at the table in a restaurant, only four people are allowed to sit at the same table. Otherwise, they're must be uh, three feet away of a distance until the next table and stuff mm. like that. Wow. So still everywhere it is mandatory. Right. But the vaccination is going by age. Right. As today, today is uh, June the 2nd, almost yeah. June the 3rd. Um, they starting actually tomorrow vaccinating people under the age of 40. So, so hopefully I'll get mine soon, which means I will be able to travel again. But, uh, you know, obviously there are, there is a chance that my body reacts in the wrong way to this vaccine. Right. My sister got vaccinated yesterday. She's uh, feeling pain to her um, arm. She's been she's been in pain the, the whole day, and they say it's normal when you get uh, the injection that then your arm uh, hurts. Who knows? I'm 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 not a doctor. I, I I can tell what's what's in it. I mean, I can only trust or not trust. But it's not mandatory to do it anyway. Right, but as you said, it gets to the point where if you want to be able to travel. Right. Which I plan on, I plan on wanting to be able to do that. You know what I mean? Exactly. You're almost, they're kind of telling you, you're almost forced to global. Exactly. If you want to travel globally, like you kind of have no choice. Can you travel domestic without getting a vaccine? I believe you still can. I believe you can. Yeah, I believe okay. you can still travel domestically and not have the vaccine. And I have the vaccine. Okay. But yeah, it's, man, this is, it's still, it's still nuts, man. It's just, Interesting to see what our new normal is going to be right, moving right. forward. Um, so, talk to me. So, what 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 projects? So, let's see. So, what you work on an EP right now, or, or, or a full flight project right now? Well, so far I've been releasing singles. 
Okay. Now I want to do something different. As um, uh, my comic is not out yet, but I'm working on a full volume. Usually ah. in the states, usually in the states is like 30 pages for issue. Yeah. Uh, in Japanese style is way more than that. It's about uh, 160, 180 pages for each volume. So it takes lots of time to make. Oh, wow. <laughs> so as I do everything by myself, I don't have a manager. I don't have a team. I have my band with me. That's a musician that play with me. But I'm a solo artist and I do everything by myself. I, you know, uh, get my own my gigs by myself. I don't have anybody representing me. But anyway, and the same thing with the manga. So I'm drawing it myself. What I want to do now is coming out with an EP, five songs probably, and the volume at the same time. That's cool. With, I like that. With the comic. Yeah. But I don't see that happening before a year from now. Because, gotcha. as okay. I say, it takes a lot of time. I've been working with several producers for... Um, uh, murder service uh, concept and song but um, uh, this EP I'll be working with uh, a producer from my own city okay. that, uh, I'm, I met when the first murder service songs was were already out but uh, we worked uh, for one song on his album uh, the producer name is David Arona and okay. uh, he, he he comes from the dub scene. He's in okay. mo more into reggae, but in an electronic way. Gotcha. So he produced... Uh, uh, I, I was a uh, feature on his album called Alter Echo and okay. uh, with a song called Gone. And then he uh, returned the favor by remixing one of my songs, so okay. which is called Medusa. Yeah. And then we decided to, uh, we liked each other's work so much, we wanted to make a whole EP together. Nice. Nice, man. So oh, this yeah. is in the making as uh, as we speak, both the comic and the music. Well, that is awesome. That is awesome what you're doing. I love the fact that, see, what, what you've been able to, put together is something super, super unique that not a lot of people are doing. Thank um, you. And it's, it's, it's going to be able to, you're able to build an audience from that. You're able to build some really diehard murder service fans. And I think, see, I think when Americans, can, I, I specialize, bro, one of the reasons why, I don't know if I might have mentioned this earlier, but one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about working with new school rules is because I, my mission has always been since I work since do, working with independent in the independent music scene is to be a is to be the global plug right so right. a lot of Americans are so worried about making it in America like if they don't make it in America somehow they have they have failed and it's like right. if right. they have an international sound, you know, and they can go to these other countries and be received well. And and especially if they do some off the wall stuff that's not really 
mainstream, whatever you want to call it, but exactly. other places in the world love because what you do isn't necessarily mainstream. No, it, I don't. It, I don't believe so. <laughs> it's it's not a mainstream kind of music. No, but no. the key is to be able to find an audience that's gonna love it. And right. I think by you having a Japanese feel, and after obviously spending a lot of time in Japan, you really understand the culture there. And yeah. that's been a market that I've been trying to get inside uh, for a while now. Um, well, I was telling you the other day, Japan is number one market in the world for CDs. Right. They still sell CDs. Right. And there's 120 million people in Japan. Wow. But they purchase way more than other countries that are, have bigger numbers do. Right. You know, it's funny you say that because I have a friend of mine. Her name is Such. And she's a soul singer mm -hmm. here in the States. And she, I think she did a record deal in Japan. They had a bunch of CDs. I'm like, it was interesting. I'm like, I remember her just a couple of years ago. And right. she did a release out there, one of her albums. And it was nothing but CDs. And then I, and now that you say that, it definitely makes sense because of, of, of what you just said. Well, I don't know if you are a vinyl collector. But if, if you know somebody that does collect vinyls... <laughs> then there's always the Japanese version of that particular record. Yeah. Because the Japanese market is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely crazy. Yeah. So, so um, definitely, I have my background in there, spent part of my life there. I still have friends. I, sp I speak the language and everything. But to me, selling a record so influenced by Japanese culture in Japan, it can it could become two things. Either you're trying to sell eyes <laughs> in at the North Pole, yeah. or or it becomes a full circle kind of situation for right. me. Right, right, right. What I'm saying. Understood. Understood. I hear where you're coming from. So so um, what I was doing while I was in Japan was while I was living in Japan was a completely different persona, completely different sound. Okay, Last I year, I had the chance to perform in Japan. Okay. I went right before the corona craziness yeah. spread out. So it was January 2020. Okay. And I had an awesome reaction, to be honest with you. But it was a one show one event it wasn't not a tour right. so so i'm really curious to understand how the japanese market is going to react to yeah. this uh, new concept i think they are i think it's cool i think it it's influenced with the japanese culture and i think what you're doing is again it's 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 different it's different i think so many people are craving stuff that's different you know one thing about American radio and American yeah. things over here, people, people don't want to, people aren't so open to new, new stuff. That's why you see everybody trying to, everybody here tries to sound the same. Right. And it becomes like a big continuous 
cycle because everybody's trying to sound, oh, this is what's hot. So let's do this. Versus when you go global, it's just more open. People are open to something that may not be so radio friendly, but it's still, it's different. It, it's, it's, you know, for instance, in the UK, I know back in the day, they used to take gospel songs and put a mm-hmm. dance mix on it and play right. it in the nightclubs. You right. know what I mean? Right, right. And you right. would never see that here. That would never be, you know, you would never see um, uh, somebody take a gospel record, a Kirk Franklin record, and put a right. dance a dance mix on it and, and play it in the secular, uh, <laughs> you know, you just wouldn't see that. So, I mean, that's just the cool thing about traveling over. Like, I remember the first time I was in, 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 uh, when I was in, where were we at? We was in Cannes. Okay. And went to a steak and shake and they served beer and they served wine in the red. And in the States, you would never see in the Steak and Shake beer and wine. Also, too, the food, the food and drug laws in Europe, the food is better, I think. Hmm. Well, I've been to the States, so I cannot tell. Yeah, yeah, you can't tell. But I mean, like, I just remember going to Steak and Shake one time. And Uh normally you go here, you go to Steak and Shake here, you get a small little tiny patty. But you Uh go over there and cut... And you get a you get a nice sized burger, right? It's 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 like gourmet style, you know. So okay. And I remember going to Luxembourg, close to Germany, right? And so yeah. when you go to McDonald's here, you know they give you the chicken. Over there, they gave you real chicken wings, and French fries <laughs> and beer. And it's like you, I mean, you would never see that here. You could never buy beer. There's no way they would let you buy beer in McDonald's here in the States. There ain't no way. But it's just interesting when you go to other places in the world (laughs) and you see cool stuff like that, man. (laughs) Right, right. And you should try the teriyaki burger in Japan, in in McDonald's in Japan. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's super good. I don't know if you're familiar with the teriyaki sauce. Yeah. You can find Japanese. Yeah, they put it on burgers in in the... I bet you, I probably bet you that tastes pretty good. You know, here's one thing about Europe, right? I'm a big guy myself. So the thing about Europe, though, everything is small. It's probably that way in Italy. I remember the elevator. Everything is small. Right. (laughs) You know, the elevator was tiny. The bath, the bathroom, the the shower, everything is small. (laughs) I, I had serious problems buying clothes in Japan. I bet because uh, I mean, I'm I'm not that I mean I'm tall but I'm not that big. Yeah. But nevertheless, in Japan was a problem. <laughs> uh, there wow. was just a few a few stores where I could find clothes. Yeah. Because they're they're L size. Oh yeah! Oh, I I learned that. Trust me. Yes. On, <laughs> I learned that. Especially like China, Japan. You got to be careful. I always remember when on when I'm on eBay, and uh-huh. I always look to see it says made in China. Yeah, their their double X is not a real double X here. Right, it won't fit you. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. That's funny though. That's funny to me. Yeah, I I usually wear a L size, 
Uh-huh. Japanese L size won't fit me at all. It's right. like an S to me. Right, anyway. right. So you got I'm always very careful when I'm order shopping off eBay. Right. That okay, was this made in the States? Because if it was made in the States, I know the size is gonna be pretty accurate. That's true. But if it says made in China or somewhere else like the States, <laughs> I'm not buying it. <laughs> But anyway, that's the beauty of the world. Yeah, There's man. Seven billion people, people on this earth, and that's why I try to right. And, and that's why I try to tell I people. Bet, I bet that there must be at least at least ten thousand, twenty thousand people that like the same stuff I like. Exactly. Out of seven billion. I mean, exactly. So that's what I'm, you know. It's interesting, right? So everybody's trying to be this big, massive artist, this big, and they try to be Beyonce, Justin Bieber, all these big artists, right? You know, BTS, and things of that nature. Right. Those are the very few artists that have massive followings. But to 7 billion people on the planet, if you can't find, like you said, 10,000 15,000 people, which is not that many, not, not that much across wow. the world. If you get 10,000 people that are spending $100 a year in whatever currency, exactly. it's a million dollars. That's a million dollars in revenue exactly. of 10,000 people, which is not that money, you no, know? No. So if artists would think from that perspective of, I only need to get 1,000, 5,000, 10,000 people who will be willing to buy from me if I build a relationship properly. The problem is a lot of artists don't know how to build a proper, they don't know how to build relationship to get people to want to buy, right? Right. To want to support you. And there's a way to go about doing that, you know? Um, And so that's where a lot of them struggle at, bro. The, The number one thing for most independent artists I find is the lack of education. Right. Which is obviously why Hank and Greg created New School. Like they said, we can't help, we can't physically help everybody, but at least we could put you in this situation True. to help yourself, right? Exactly. I mean, even bro, even this year, twenty five for twenty five dollars. Even though it wasn't yeah, a physical, but twenty five bucks to expand your network. It's nothing. And meet people like it's just crazy how many people, you know, did not take advantage of the fact of make to make some friends and see what happens you know because you need people to be in this you need people this is a people business exactly if you don't like people it's very hard to be successful in our industry if you, you know don't what? like people uh in in where i live this is not seen by most people as a profession being a musician oh really okay it's seen as a hobby yeah, yeah they yeah, tell yeah. you uh what do you do for a living oh, i'm a musician oh by the way what is your real job right <laughs> it's it's extremely common and as uh, frustrating as it sounds it tells you a lot about the culture because right. if you want to become a physician you go to medical school right if you want to become a lawyer you go to law school. school right okay 
<laughs> if you want to be a designer, you go to a design school. Right. But, but if you want to become a musician... There is no school. <laughs> I mean, you could, you could study music. You can study uh, sound designing. You can study yeah. business uh, and everything. But it doesn't feel... It doesn't come so nat natural. And right. business uh, related to, to music... Right. It's a relatively new thing. Right. I, I, I don't know about the States, but no, it didn't true. exist where I live, I don't know, 20 years ago. There was no class of uh, music industry. It did not exist. It well, does today. Right. I think, I think what's going on now is, you know, now we have more the DIY approach, right? We have the right. do-it-yourself artists. Exactly. 20 years ago, it was record label driven. Everything was record label driven. You had exactly. to be on exactly. a label, right? Because for instance, only labels could do distribution, marketing, promotion. You needed radio. You needed all these things to create awareness for your artistry. Indeed. Now with the internet, with social media, you can go direct to your audience. And now the tools are out here to where you got to get yourself from zero to 60. Exactly. Most people don't, most labels aren't, don't want to deal with you until you're at 60, at least. Makes sense. You know, I, like you said, the education is the number one missing thing because like I said, most people think exactly like you said, Oh, you want to go? You want to go be a musician? Go get a real job. But little right. do they know, this is a real job. Exactly. You know what I mean? And it's always been an insult to me. Not an insult, but always would bother. It's like they don't understand how much work really require. This really requires uh, more than oh just boy. making the record, right? Because making the record is not that hard. It's all the other things that come into play. That make it difficult, you know? Indeed, indeed. I mean, music making is just one small part of this business. Yeah. And people do not realize that. Right. And people that tell me, oh, uh, I have a good voice. I'm so talented. Yes, <laughs> you probably are, but... At the end of the day, it's, right. it's not... Does it matter, sad. really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, right. And on one hand, it's sad, but, it, I mean, it's, it's the game. And yeah. It, it, you know, another thing, too, Murder, is that people don't realize how expensive it is to be in this business. Right. Right? It's very, very expensive. You know, I know here in this... I know some countries... This, in Italy, they provide funding, don't right? They provide funding for you to go to... The different things you know. Well, uh, let me tell you this. I had the opportunity uh, to have my expenses covered for New School Rules two times already by uh, CI, which is uh, the Italian version of BMI or ASCAP, for example. Okay. Okay. So copyright. Yeah, performing uh, rights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Performing rights. Uh, company right and so what they are doing is they are founding 
people who brought who brought who are bringing uh italian music abroad it doesn't mean it has to be in italian language as i sing in english for example right but uh, they promote that so for example in 2019 i went to new school rules and they cover all my expenses right so they paid for the flight for the hotel they paid for uh, uh, the fee for the ticket for the conference right. and everything <coughs> this year they supported me as new school rules uh Virtual. i applied to new school rules and they picked my uh, my act again they uh, supplied um with foundings for uh, filming the performance right so i actually was it is a reimbursement so i had to spend the money first right. and they're gonna give it back to me right. nevertheless yeah there, there are some authorities there are taking care of that right only if you bring your music abroad right and if you and if you don't otherwise it's more complex than that right 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 they, they i know they do that a lot in canada and some other places you right. know and they, don't, and they don't do that much here you know if if, if there's so many artists that need funding you know that because for instance not everybody can go to not everybody has a home a quality home studio right, right. so some people who have to go to the big studio to to record and to mix and to master five songs might cost you three thousand dollars four thousand dollars right just to right. do that on five songs that's just the recording part of it exactly, exactly. we haven't even talked about <laughs> marketing promotion you know imaging photos all these other things that we have to think about you know other than just the actual music portion of it, the creation portion of it you know i believe that it's the percentage of people who can make a living of music compared to the people who make music it's extremely low right because it takes money to to make money right and uh not everybody can afford to do it but another thing is people do not know where to put their money right so what, what would you suggest if you're talking if you're talking to an artist mm -hmm. similar in your position yeah that's they listen to this podcast right now right what where would you tell them advise them if they're just starting out say somebody's just starting out okay okay they don't have a foundation built but they're starting out, where would you say they need to be focused? Their, they need to be focused, focus their energy, focus whatever resources they have. Well, I believe the very first thing they should do is educate themselves. Right, I agree. Understand how things work, understand uh, how to mix your own record, for example. Right. They could save you money. Even though it won't be uh, super professional, but it's good enough to have people listen to it. People right. listen to their to music to on their phones. There, there's no bass. There's no treble. There's nothing. Right. I mean, you can always make it better, and right. even my music could could have become done 
better even though i work with professionals i could go to much bigger studios i could do something yeah. something that sounds uh, <coughs> even better work with uh, uh big names or anything it, right. it's a matter of money most of it right. so understanding that part could help you a lot understanding that your uniqueness it's the most important thing that you have because uh, uh i don't want to i don't want to listen to somebody that sounds something like jay-z mm -hmm. i don't need that right. i'm not jay-z why should i listen to somebody that sounds like <laughs> right, right right i can just buy the blueprint yeah yeah you know right uh, any old record and so or I don't know. I don't. I don't even know what's trending now. I'm. Yeah, I'm whatever. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I, I don't know what's on the radio right. today. Anyway, uh, jokes on the side. Um, and so finding what's what your sound is like and what it's just sound. You you have to be sounding just like you. You have to right. do right. you because people are not interested into a cover band right who is a f famous cover band no, no nobody cares <laughs> nobody cares it's a cover band okay right. so if you have to do a cover of beyonce i'm gonna listen to beyonce not you right right and and uh and another thing what i would invest into is touring and networking events yes yes more more than uh, campaigns on social media. Because okay. Com campaigns on social media are a little bit um, overrated, in my opinion. Really? Unless okay. you have lots of money. Unless you have lots of money to invest into it. It depends yeah. on your budget. Right, right, right. Because right. there's so many people investing into social media nowadays. Right. It's extremely hard to stand out right i i think that if your budget is like oh no i have 500 dollars to spend into into promotion on social media that won't do right that's, right. that's not enough money to right it. right it, it, it depends on your funding it depends on your budget but you rather take that 500 dollars and get yourself shows in some cities and talk to people. Right. Then they will follow you for real on social right. media because you you created a connection. Relationship, right. Exactly. Right, right. No, no, there is something still, as much as we're on the internet and obviously now in the pandemic that we've been virtual for a year and a half, there's nothing that beats getting in front of people. You yeah, know, absolutely. there's nothing that beats creating those human to human relationships, you know, True. it's going to make the difference, man. It really does make the difference because people want to connect to other like-minded people. So you're right. Exactly. You know, social media is, it is such a science too. Like it's such a science and you have to, a lot of it is trial and error. You got to see when you start dealing with ads, got to test a lot of it and you know see what works what doesn't work you know it's a lot of you're going to spend a lot of money 
and you're going to lose a lot of money too along the way. But that's just, you know, like you said, so if you have a small budget, you know, I would even, yeah, you're right. Cause I said the same thing. I wouldn't, I would not invest in paid ads. I would invest, I would still try to do organic traction. Right. And still try to get people to connect with you one-on-one, you know, because there's so many people, bro, on social media that teach people all they got to do is make content and run ads. And I just think that's the wrong message to be preaching to new artists. That I mean, it, it might work. It probably worked with some people, but does it work in the long run? Right. I don't know about that. Because if you don't keep fooling the social media machine and the ads, yeah. Yeah. Is it going to crumble everything down for you? Right. That that that's my thought. I mean Right. <laughs> uh I I think that uh, makes more sense to me to meet people in person. Right. And um, some other some artists they don't even want to perform. To me, if I don't perform live on stage, this shit is pointless. i mean i can have the coolest video shot in 4k with a 50k budget and everything but i fight if i don't get on stage and perform in front of the crowd right it doesn't mean anything to me right uh billion views or whatever to me it makes no sense if then you don't have the real life part of it yeah yeah yeah. it it was definitely interesting at new school this year to have you know the only you know to have the 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 virtual pre-recorded showcases and you know it's cool but it doesn't do the same thing as people actually there showing you love and yeah it's something special about that i totally understand i totally understand Bro, Absolutely. well, it, it, it's, it's it's this has been so much fun. You know where where can people find you, man, on social media? They want to That's connect. You. Speaking service. of social media, <laughs> yes. Yeah, speaking of it, M U R D A H S R V C. That's how I spell murder service. Awesome, awesome. So, guys, go check out my man Murder Service on all platforms. This guy is doing some really cool things. I'm fortunate enough to know him now. We have a relationship. Relationships matter. Okay. Yeah. I can't stress that enough. Relationships matter. Don't think that you can be an asshole and you can be the best artist and people still gonna love. No. And if people don't like you, they will shut the door. Trust me. True that. But so, this applies for everything in life, yes. I believe. Build relationships, nurture those relationships, treat people like people, and and you will be amazed at how far you can actually get to where it is you're trying to go, guys. With that being said, this has been your host, Darrell Peart. This is episode number 24 of the Encourage and Inspire podcast. Until next time, I'm out of here. Peace.